Do you ever want to make a change in your life? You don't know what it is. You don't know how to do it. You don't even know where to start, but you know you want to make a change and you just don't know how. To help you figure it out, we've partnered with Lauren St. George because she has the answer to the question, what's next? But first, this is the FitMess where together we learn to develop habits that help us live beyond our mental health struggles to create happier, healthier lives. He's Zach. He lives in the future with his anxiety. He's Jeremy, and he lives in the past with his depression. And we get together once a week in the present to share the obstacles we face and how we overcome them. Zach, this keeps coming up on our show, on the shows that we keep going on to talk about all the different ways that you can improve your life. The idea of living 1% better today than you did yesterday, just the, the small incremental changes, right? We talk about it all the time. And it's something that's been bothering me because, you know, I go to the gym and I lift the weights and I see how much I lifted last time. And I go, oh, I could probably lift a little more of that this time. Let's, let's up that one. That's easy to measure, right? Mm -hmm. I can drink X amount of water every day and I can drink a little bit more tomorrow. I can run a little farther. I can do a couple more push-ups. Like those things I can measure, but like the be better, right? Like how do you quantify, how do you know at the end of the day that today you did, you know, 1% or whatever percentage you want to hang your hat on, how do you know you did better today than you did yesterday? No, well, just that. Like it's, it's just a little bit more. It's not about 1%. It's not about really any quantity, that you can put a number on. It's just about a little bit more than yesterday. And it doesn't even have to be a big change. So we posted this a while ago. There's like a little formula that if you do 1.00 to the 365th power, right? A little math for you. Mm -hmm. You get 1.00, zero change, mm -hmm. no change whatsoever. If you do 1.01, like the teeniest, tiniest of little change, to the 365th power, you get like 37.7 mm -hmm. something, right? Yeah. So like massive change from just a little itty bitty change every right. single day. Right. Right. So there's no, right. It's, it's just a little bit better than you did before on one thing. It doesn't have to be everything, right? So you could do a carbon copy of the day before, except you have 250 more steps or a carbon copy of the day before and you spend an extra 30 seconds meditating. See, okay, so that's the thing I'm I'm getting hung up on, right? Because how do you track it all, right? Like like you and I, we do a lot of things. I think I think you certainly do a lot of things just by default now. Like it's just the way you live your life, so you don't need to like keep track of. I went to the gym today. I lifted this much. Oh no, I still have to, I still keep track of all. You keep track of everything: I, I water, calories, macros. You you measure everything. Not all of that. So like where I need to measure in yeah. order to make a gain, yeah. I'm going to do it. So like I've got all my food dialed in for the most part, right? So my 80% of eating healthy, I know what that is, mm -hmm. right? There, there's nothing I have to measure anymore because I know exactly what it is. However, when I'm lifting weights or something like that, well, yeah, you do need to measure that because you need to know what you lifted last week you, because that number is changing all the time, mm -hmm. right? The time that I get up and go to the gym, that doesn't change anymore. That's a habit. That's a thing. What I eat, I eat pretty much the same thing all week long. Right. The things that are changing on a consistent basis, those are the things that I have to measure. So, so here's, so for example, this is, so like, I want to be a better dad, right? Like nothing means more to me than being a better dad. You should probably just hand over all your responsibilities to your wife. Done. That was easy. Yep. That, that, that's how we win. <laughs> but how would you 
you want to be a better dad. How do you measure? I was a, uh, you know, 0.011, you know, whatever percent better dad today than I was yesterday. How do you measure stuff like that where you can't put it in a bottle, mark it on the line, put it on a scale, put it on a bar, like the stuff you can't measure. How do you know you're doing better? Mm. So I would just, I would chalk it up to things like, did I communicate enough with her? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Spend an extra 10 minutes talking to your kid. Mm-hmm. Like, listening deeply listening like ask questions get it out of them and even when they're like you know what i don't want to talk to you I want to go away and she's like just give me 10 minutes that's all i'm asking <laughs> i'll give you 20 dollars. just talk <laughs> right pull it out of them or, so then the next day when it only costs you 10 dollars, you've already like there there's your measurement right there yeah <laughs> um or you know something like making sure that they have good food in their stomach right mm-hmm. i mean i'm fighting this with my daughter right now oh, where she's amen. Like, she either won't eat at all mm-hmm. And then she's like, I, I don't know why I have a headache and why I got dizzy during chop class. I'm like, right. oh, my God. Preteen women are just, oh, this, this is terrible. <laughs> so, I mean, like the little things, right? Make sure they eat a little bit better mm-hmm. than they did yesterday. Make sure you say I love you more than you did yesterday. And that's really the key to all of this stuff, right? Is finding what is the big North star? What is the goal that I'm trying to chase and breaking it down into the measurable things? It's, it's finding those little ways to be able to track your progress so that whether or not you truly are a better dad by the end of the week or the end of the month or whatever, you can look back and look at all the effort you put in and hope that it pays dividends down the road. Well, you also have to take a deep look at yourself too and figure out where the problem areas are, right? So to be a better dad, I'm pretty good at getting her fed, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, she gets hangry, so I know I know how to get food in her face whenever she's starting to cop an attitude. I tell her I love you all freaking day long. Like mm-hmm. she probably hears I love you 120 times a day <laughs> in various forms. You know, love you, love you, kiddo, like just all over the place. Mm-hmm. But where do I fail? Where do I struggle? Yeah. For me, every now and again, I lose my temper at something, whether it be work or just trying to, you know, fix something around the house. And when I get angry like that, it has an impact on her. She's really sensitive. So for me, getting that little teeny tiny bit better is don't have an outburst. Make sure that if I'm getting frustrated with something, I go walk away. I take a walk. I go do something else. That's me being a better dad. So every time I can avoid one of those situations, that's a little bit, you really can't quantify those, but right. it has an impact and you're still going to fail. You're still going to blow off the handle occasionally, but that's a little bit better. So you really do need to take a deep look. Like if you just want to be a better dad, you need to figure out where you need to improve, right? Mm-hmm. If you're already telling your kid, you love them. If you're already shoving healthy food in their face, if you're already getting them outside for sunlight and activities, like where are you failing? Like if you have that want to be a better parent, why, what is it that you're doing? that you consider that you need improvement in being a better parent. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times, and and I think this is the case for not only, you know, being a better parent or whatever, but a lot of times we go seeking the thing that's missing to be better. When a lot of times I've found anyways, that it's more about letting go of the stuff that's getting in the way of being a better parent. I mean, how many times do you, you know, pick up your phone and, and scroll endlessly when that's 10 minutes, you could be talking to your kid or your spouse or working on that thing you always said you're going to get done or writing that book or whatever goal you've set for yourself, but you let stuff get in the way that this baggage that you hang on to. And 
So I think for so many people, it mm-hmm. really comes down to letting go of the obstacles so that you can focus yeah. on the things that really matter. There's this one post that I see all the time when I am doom scrolling. Um, <laughs> and it, it's like a quote from Lamborghini. And they say, oh, we don't have TV advertisements because our target audience doesn't watch TV. Right. And that one, that one like always hits me where it's like, huh, that's interesting. There's so many moments in our life where doom scrolling, watching TV, you could literally be doing that little teeny tiny bit better instead of watching TV, instead of doom scrolling for five minutes. Then you can go back to watching TV. You can go back to doing the other things, but like take five minutes, go do something that's going to make you better at whatever it is you want to be better at. Or you compensate and you, you lose five minutes of sleep because you went and did the thing you want to do for that's five right. minutes. Then you watch the normal amount of Netflix and then you go to bed a little bit later and then you're a little bit grumpy tomorrow. And you know, that's <laughs> and like, so on and so on and so on. You know, one of the ways that people get help with measuring some of these immeasurable things is they turn to a coach. They turn to somebody who can help them figure out how to measure all these things so that they can reach those goals. One person they can turn to is Lauren St. George. We partnered with her for this episode because she runs a program called What's Next. And Zach, you had a chance to talk to her a few weeks ago. And the conversation really began with figuring out what it is that helps people go from stuck to reaching out to help from someone like her. People come to me, they're either feeling stuck and don't really know what they want to do, but they know they want to make some changes. Or they're coming to me with a lot of ideas, but don't know where to begin. They can't see the forest for the trees. Or it's a mindset thing. They are afraid to take that first step and really need to work through some of the obstacles and and mental blocks they have. But in many cases, they have more than one of those things, right? They feel stuck and they're afraid to take the first step. So that's where I come in. I love making those changes in my life. But when I first started making those changes, they were not easy. They were not fun. They were kind of painful. So how do people feel before they've made a change? Like, what are some of the things that drive them to going, that's it, I've had enough. I need to do something about this. I think it's if something's been playing on your mind long enough, you know, and you just have that, that it's that irritant and it's scratching at the back of your head. It has to get to a tipping point. People don't come into my life until they've hit that tipping point. Usually it's around like a major, a major transition in their life, right? So they're an empty nester. The kids have gone off to school, you know, to college. Now what? They've gone through a divorce or they're, uh, they want to make a significant career change. So it's usually around some major point in your life is when you're going to hit that tipping point is when you're going to really sort of step back and, and evaluate, is, is this really what I want to be doing for the rest of my life? I think we've globally gone through a tipping point with the pandemic and it's forced a lot of people to think about really what, what's important to me and what, what do I want to do next? And so I think there's a lot more people probably more actively asking that question right now. So I think it's a culmination of some kind of major transition or major event happening in your life that gets you to that tipping point of going enough is enough. And now I've got to seek something to help me get out of wherever I am. And people do that, you know, in a variety of places. Every single day I'm looking for what can I do a little bit better today? What can I do a little uh-huh. bit better tomorrow? And, you know, that's like the incremental improvement, but it, this sounds like it's more of a transformational improvement. Like there's, there's no goal around it and you really have to find out what that goal is. Is that right? It is. So what's next is a, is a six-week program done in a cohort. And why that's powerful is because you'll have 
typically four to seven people, all that have been vetted. I've, I've had personally had conversations with to make sure they're all in the right sort of starting point. And what it immediately does is there's accountability. You're going to show up for yourself and you're going to show up for the people on the call. And for some people, that's just, you know, that's an amazing thing because you've, you've chosen to invest, you know, six weeks of your time to think about yourself. Well, you know, when's the last time you've had the opportunity to do that? Because our lives yeah. are busy. The group situation also brings with it people are now coming in with different experiences um, and expertise and life experiences. And so as much as you share, you can get back from the group because now you have multiple brains working on a similar challenge. And I always believe that if you keep asking the same question, you're going to keep getting the same answers. So you can break out of that. One way to break out of that is having different brains in the room who can say, have you thought about this? The other is it's a community. So you know, over six weeks, you really get to know each other well because we do two calls a week, which means that for a lot of people, they find that they're not doing this alone. The way that they're feeling, they're not unique in that and that there is a community of people who are going through, it may be different challenges, but they're also starting in a similar place of feeling stuck or unsure of what they want to do next. And so I think that's empowering as well. One of the things that we talk about on the show is like vulnerability and working with other people and voicing, you know, what's going through your head just or, or, or the issues that you're, you're facing, because once you do that, other people or other solutions just show up. So I, I love that it's community based and you can talk through it like that. I'm just trying to imagine myself in there going, what's mm -hmm. next and looking at a blank piece of paper. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I have to imagine like some people are just like, I don't know. So how do you get people to a point where they even have a, an idea of what's next? Well, the first week, what we spend time doing is really reacquainting people with themselves. Life has a way of, of adding things on. Your colleagues, your boss, your family, your kids, your parents, all, you know, all of that, you're taking on other people's things. It's not a bad thing at all. I mean, you're building a, a home with the spouses it is a, a mutual goal that you're setting. But along the way, we forget about the things that are important to us or we put them on the back burner. And that oftentimes is the kind of scratchy thing in the back of your head going, I wish I had, and I don't want to regret this one day that I didn't try X, Y, Z. So we really spend the first week helping people to get reacquainted with what's important to them, what their strengths are, how out the outside world sees them as well as how they see themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that reminds people of what's important to them because I believe that everyone coming into the program actually knows the answer. They sometimes just need help to kind of, you know, see, <laughs> see between the weeds, I guess, and to reimagine what that could be. Yeah. Um, so that's where we start. And then we get to a point of going, okay, is this is you, this is what's important to you. What's your big question? Week two is all about like answering your big question. And, and people will sometimes come in thinking that they want to work on one thing and, and they'll change. But again, I think if you're asking the right question, then we can then spend time over the next few weeks really ideating and brainstorming and using the collective genius to help you come up with some new ideas to then start making decisions and whittling down until they know what they want to try next. And it's called what's next because it's it's what's the next thing you want to do. It's not what you want to do for the rest of your life, right? And so yeah. sometimes getting out of being stuck is do something. And you may find that that's something you've been thinking about is, is not the right thing. But by getting momentum, by starting on a path, by 
even just opening your eyes up to the possibilities, like you said earlier, all of a sudden these things start presenting themselves. It's like when you're ready to start looking for your next vehicle and all of a sudden, whatever make and model you're looking at, <laughs> everyone's driving it on the road. You're like, why have I missed this? <laughs> it's just your eyes are now open to it. And so I think that, you know, there's a lot of ahas that happen for people over the six weeks because now they're spending time thinking about themselves and they're opening themselves up to more opportunities. And so you know, what they end up doing coming out of the program is the first thing. Hopefully for a lot of people, that's the right thing. And they're going to spend some some time on that. But for others, it's just about getting that action and getting one step in front of the next to really get on the right road. What is it about today's day and age where we don't take care of ourselves first? We spend so much time taking care of kids, spouses, people at work, other people. But we really do neglect ourselves so often. Why do you think that is? And how do we fix that? I think there's, there's this perception that putting yourself first can be selfish. And that being selfish is a, is a negative thing. But, you know, <laughs> if you've been on a flight going anywhere, the first thing they tell you is if trouble happens, put your oxygen mask on first. I think we're really bad at putting our oxygen loss on first. And if we can shift that mindset to if I'm healthy, if, if I uh, am mentally well, I could help people so much better in my life if I spend the time, you know, focusing on me. So the world is busy. Life is busy. We've got, we're being pulled in so many directions. And we, for some reason, we put ourselves to the bottom of the list. I saw something going around social media uh, a little while ago. I'm sure it's done a few go-arounds, but it said, write a list of all the things you love. And at the end, it said, I bet you didn't put yourself on a list. Um, <laughs> I, and that's, I, to me, is a really powerful thing. Like, how often do we think of ourselves first and, and believe that that's not a negative or a selfish thing to do? Yeah, I know. It took me a long time to really recognize that to the point where I have a I've said this on the show a few times. I have a little, I have a picture of myself as a seven-year-old in my house. And like, I literally talked to that kid and she's like, hey, you're, you're going to be okay, buddy. And I know it's me and I'm talking to me and I'm talking to that inner child. So how does somebody shift that, make that shift? Because I have to imagine that making the shift from not taking care of ourselves to taking care of ourselves first can be a little bit painful, a lot of guilt, things like that. And I'm sure that you walk people through how important it is. So what are some of the common things you see when people are making that shift? I think a lot of fears come up and they can be a myriad of things that, that can hold us back. I mean, sometimes it's fear of failure. Sometimes it's fear of change. You're working, around, you're working against your own biology of your brain that wants to keep you safe and comfortable and, and stuck in a pattern. But I think, I, th I think when you look at fulfillment, it... I think of it, or I've heard it talked about as like a three-legged stool. And if one of those legs is off, then you're going to feel out of whack. But there's three things to them. It, there's engagement. Do you feel engaged in something within your life? It doesn't have to be career. It could be anything. But do you have something in your life that really engages you, gives you joy, that you get into that place of flow uh, where time ceases to exist and you're really ingrained, you know, you know attention is into something. Self-care is the second one, because if we're not looking after ourselves, again, it leads to so many other things. And self-care can be small. It can be, are you going for a walk? Um, are you meditating? It could be, are you having a massage once a month? Or it could be travel. It could be getting out of your comfort zone. It could be, there could be a whole variety of things in there. And the third is, are you giving back? And, and that doesn't have to mean, are you 
giving money or volunteering, but do you feel like you're sharing and giving to others, whether it's your experience, your expertise, but those three things I think lead, leads to a fulfilling life. And so, you know, self-care is, is there. So I think, I think having the conversation, I think talking to people about the things that are, that is that roadblock is important. And so there's things that you can do, right, to help with that. Because if you don't have the right support system around you, you're going to be, it's going to be that much harder for you to make any change in your life. So I think you have to be really conscious of, of who are you inviting to know about what you're thinking about? Who are you telling that change is something that you're thinking about and what you might want to do next? Because you don't want someone to, to poo-poo that idea or shoot it down early on in the process because then you'll never get it out of the gate. So I think, you know, a support system um, goes a long way to helping you feel like you can do something and will be the people that can be your cheerleaders and help you celebrate the wins. And so whether that's in a community like What's Next or whether that's just making sure you, you have the right people around you um, and that you're not sharing everything with everyone, those are things that you can certainly do to help you feel more confident in putting yourself first. I know anxiety and depression is like rampant in this in in the world, really. Mm-hmm. Do you do you see a lot of people coming through there with with those symptoms, with those diagnoses? And and do you have I know I run high on the anxiety spectrum and Jeremy runs high on the depression spectrum. So I'm just curious if there's you know, do you do do you treat people a little bit differently? Do you need a different method with people who have, you know, some mental health issues like anxiety or depression? Or is it tailored a little bit to each individual, but for the most part the same program? For most part it's the same program. And and I I do certainly want people to know that I am I am not a therapist and and I, you know, do not prescribe medication. That's not my wheelhouse. And so I think for some people that that work needs to be done ahead of time. That, but when you get to that point of feeling like I have it enough under control that I'm ready to embark on having the next conversation on figuring out what I want to do next, then then that's when you'd interact with me. I certainly can talk about mindset. I've certainly learned a lot after working with a lot of people, but I, I certainly don't proclaim to be mm-hmm. you know, able to to help people with depression or with anxiety. We can talk through it. It certainly is an environment where I'd, I would imagine that you know, you're not the only one who's dealing with it and it should be a, a safe place to talk about it. And if you're looking for strategies and what other people are doing to to cope with those sorts of things, then it, it would be a safe environment to, to talk about that. But it's certainly not a focus of the program sure. um, because of my training and my background. I would love to hear a success story or so, you know, some kind of story that you have around somebody who's gone through the program and came out on the other side of it with what's next and living their lives you know, like you said, not, you know, doing that thing forever, but that, that, that changed their lives. Do you have a, an example or two? So I had, uh, I had a woman who'd worked for the same company for 30 years, left the job, but really was ready to, to say goodbye, but just couldn't say goodbye. Mm-hmm. It was time to, it was time for her to retire. She didn't know how to push the go button on that, how to walk into her boss's office and, and say, you know, giving you my notice and let's, let's create the succession plan so that I can go in however many months. And, you know, it took multiple conversations. It took talking about really what would she like to do next? What are the things she imagines wanting to do in retirement? What does that look like and feel like? And how would, what will that mean for a relationship with her husband and her, her mother who's still alive? 
to try and really give her a sense of what is next um, and to get excited about that, right? So that you do feel like now's the time. But it it finally took saying, why don't you go and speak to your financial advisor and see whether you can financially do this right now for her to feel safe enough to actually do it. And so about a week after the program ended, she went and gave in her resignation. And another example would be a woman who'd chosen to take a, a package from a, a large corporation. And she was trying to decide whether she went and got the next position, which would have been a, a CMO position at a somewhat smaller company, or whether she was finally going to pursue her dream of starting her own business. Now, what really scared her about starting her own business was that her husband is an entrepreneur as well. And so she'd been, you know, this sort of stable money flow coming in mm -hmm. uh, as his business would do better or dip, dip depending on what was going on in the economy. But this was something that really was important to her. And there was definitely a fear, and there is a fear for a lot of people who've been in corporate for a long time to go out on their own. And so through through talking about it, she finally got to the point of going, I want to pursue a small business, but I don't want to do it by myself. And so she actually found a, a franchise coaching program that that would give her the support that she needed so that she could kind of be in a hybrid situation of being her own business owner, having to get her own clients in, but supported by a program that she could go to that she need help with any of the questions that a small business owner would have. And so I think what's what's great about the program is that we do tailor, certainly it is tailored to each individual because everyone's coming in with a different challenge, but really what my background uh, and the central kind of process of, of what's next is really about how can we be creative? How can we come up with an idea like go find the franchise? It's not necessarily go and just start the business on your own. So we mm -hmm. do try to think about things from as many angles as we can and come up with the best plan for each individual because we all we all have different fears and different roadblocks that that might stop us from pursuing something. So we're going to find the the best way in so that people feel as comfortable as you can feel with making a significant change in your life. What do you mean? There's no one size fits all when it comes it to life? Never, there is never. <laughs> uh, man, I've been living my whole life wrong. It is so intriguing how you put that. Like, I think I've had conversations recently with people, mostly at work, where we're looking at a process or something that somebody's doing. And, and, and we ask the question, hey, why do we do that? And the answer sometimes is because we've always done it like that. It's just not a good answer, is it? Like, it, I, no. I feel like you should really be looking at, if you ever hear that answer, you should really be diving in, whether it's your personal life, work life. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think being creative about how you approach things is is paramount. I don't believe you should take anything at the first answer that comes. So we we spend a lot of time peeling back that onion because the, the first answer is, is really the right answer. It's just It's just the thing that's kind of top of mind. So, you know, it, it really is about d d uh, digging deeper. And, and you said earlier how important vulnerability is. And I think you can be as vulnerable as you like with the group, but if you're not going to be, you know, truly vulnerable with yourself, you're not going to get anywhere in the process because it takes a lot of energy to get yourself out of a, your sort of comfort zone and, and through all the way to your growth, your growth zone. It, it takes energy and it takes being honest with yourself. And so, yeah, I think... I think that's where you start, right? Is you have to be honest with what's important to you to head in any direction that makes sense. 
one of the questions that that I like to ask everyone is, you know, what advice would you give to somebody who is looking for what's next, or or maybe they don't even know they're looking for what's next? What advice would you give to somebody to, you know, take a small step right now in in going down that road to finding out what's next for them? And you can totally say work with you, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd love for them to work with me, but. I think there's two things that come to mind. One is I think you have to understand your why. So why are you why are you trying to make a change? Um, and I think that if you can be as clear as possible on that, you'll start to uncover kind of where you think your goal is. So I think it it's about peeling back to really what's what is truly creating the desire to make change. If you can start there, it'll it'll help you then to better decide where you're trying to head to and what the plan is to get there. Because those are relatively easy things to do once you've got the why, because the why becomes the motivation. The other, I think, that's a simple thing to do is really to curate what's going into your brain every day. Be mindful of what you're watching, what you're reading, what you're listening to, how you start your day. If the first thing you do is pick up your cell phone in the morning and check your email or check social, you've already set your brain into a way of thinking that's going to that's gonna impact the rest of your day. So if you're looking to make change in your life, be, be very mindful of the things that you're letting into, into your brain because you want a positive mindset. There's a lot of things that will get in the way and there'll be setbacks that happen as you're trying to pursue a goal. But if you can really work to have a positive mindset, you'll be that much like, more likely to continue on the path if you have a setback. Will pick yourself up when it doesn't quite go the way you want. So I think that's imperative is really the curating what goes into your brain every day. In my head, all I see is the the hundreds and hundreds of times where I've just felt like I needed to take a next step and I'm just looking at a blank piece of paper and I don't know what to do. I love how there's a program, there's a system to help people kind of walk that path. So if there's anyone listening who is like, oh, oh, that's me. And I would like to work with her. How can people find you and how can people reach out to you? People can find me through my website, which is answerwhatsnext.com. From there, you can book a call. Uh, you can sign up for my newsletter if you want to view know, there's a weekly newsletter that goes out. So if you want some inspiration in your life and, and some tools that you can use, uh, you can sign up for that. You can also find me through Facebook and Instagram. And the handles are answer what's next. So pretty easy to find. And our thanks to Lauren St. George from the What's Next program. You can find links to her and her work in the show notes for this episode at thefitmess.com. Like so many conversations we have here and on other shows, Zach, uh, it all starts with why. What is the reason that you want to make the change that you want to implement in your life? It is truly important for us to understand what drives us, what motivates us, what that internal thing is, because otherwise motivation won't come. If you understand your why, that's that's how you drive that motivation. That's how you do the next thing. A lot of that is fed by what we feed our mind too. The podcast you listen to, the TV you're watching when you should be doing other things. What are you telling yourself? What information are you putting into your own mind to help you drive forward toward those goals? It's just it's it's a key piece of the of this whole puzzle. And then the last thing is like, are you giving back? Are you paying it forward? Are you taking what you've learned and helping somebody else get around the next bend. It doesn't have to be money. It doesn't have to be volunteering. It just has to be like paying it forward in some way, shape or form. 
So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of The Fit Mess. Thank you so much for listening. Our thanks again to Lauren St. George for being here. We'll go into more detail on all of this and expand on all of these topics in our next newsletter. I hope that you will sign up for that. You can do so at thefitmess.com. That's where we will be back in just a few days with a brand new episode. Thanks for listening. See you, everyone. We know this podcast is amazing and doesn't seem to lack anything, but we need a legal disclaimer. Prior to implementing anything discussed in this podcast, it is your responsibility to conduct your own research and consult your physician. You should assume that Jeremy and Zach don't know what they're talking about, and they're not liable for any physical or emotional issues that occur directly or indirectly from listening to this podcast. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.